Welcome to the Co-op Feeds Podcast. If you like to follow all things related to animal agriculture, then this is the podcast for you. Tune in for expert news with our special guest, an overview of commodity market trends, and hot topics in the industry every month. We'll also give you a sneak peek at what's to come for our monthly species series. Cattle, sheep, goats, horses, or chickens. We cover it all. Join us at the feed bin. Now, please welcome your host, Jennifer Dowd. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the co-op feed bin. It's already August. Can you believe it? As always, we have a great line of topics to discuss. One in particular, as students embark on another year or semester of school coming up in August, we will dive into educational readiness and discuss key points in helping students find out if agriculture is a pathway for them. If you have not already, please subscribe to our channel and like us on Facebook to stay up to date on market trends, co-op video premieres, and more. But first, let's talk about commodity markets. Whether you're a producer, dealer, or just an average Joe, it's important to be in the know. Here's your monthly update on pricing for grain, livestock, energies, and more. The corn and bean markets are still trading dependent on weather. Thankfully, forecasts have been more favorable for the upcoming months. Though we see pressure building on corn and beans, the basis is still strong as producers haven't been eager to move old crop bushels with the recent price pressure. We are expecting the basis to remain firm until we get closer to harvest. We have seen a large downswing in wheat over the last few weeks as a lot of fund money has exited the market, nearly $5 break over the last two months. Overall, we expect to see extreme validity in the commodity markets throughout the summer. Weather, again, will be a major point of concern, as well as equity markets, geopolitical concerns, and looming federal decisions on inflation. Please tune in next month for more news in the feed bin. What we've all been waiting for. It's time to bring in our special guest. Drumroll, please. We have with us today Emily Haley, Woodbury FFA advisor and agriculture teacher at Cannon County High School. She is also a mom and fellow agriculturist in the community. Her and her husband raise cattle and Australian shepherds and sometimes the occasional bottle goat. Emily, thank you for joining us today. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Good to know. All right, so we're just going to talk a little bit about you for right now. Um, so what is your farming history, your background a little bit? I know you're a huge horse person. Um, so just go a little bit more into that, and then we'll transition. So I was what I would call the crazy horse girl in <laughs> school. So I grew up showing 4-H and local saddle club. I mean, from as little as I could, my mom's dream was always to have horses and unfortunately could never do that while she was a child. So, of course, when I came along, that's what she really encouraged and um, also did with me. We showed together. When I got to college, I competed on MTSU's equestrian team. I stayed really active in that. And then I met my husband through college and we got married in 2018 and we moved to his grandfather's farm oh, so we have 170 acres and we run commercial beef cattle and have started a little bit of a goat herd in addition to our slew of dogs that we have as well so <laughs> just always kind of in that horse kid turned FFA turned ag that's awesome I'm, I relate on the horse level <laughs> um, so 
In the turning point of your career, what would you say really enhanced your decision to become an ag teacher? So I don't really know. I can't pinpoint one decision. I am the kind of personality or kind of person that thrives on competition and everyone who knows me can agree with that. And so senior year of high school, you know, you're faced with those decisions of what do you want to do? And I was pretty dead set that I was going to be an ag teacher. And so I went to MTSU, you know, completed those requirements. I moved to Mississippi and was an extension agent for two years. And then the moment I got to return to the classroom, it was one of those like aha moments of this is where I'm meant to be. Um, And so I served two years at Oakland High School and then I transitioned to Canning County High School and have never looked back to say the least. Like I joke with people that I'm like, oh, you can never agree to me. Like this is where I'll retire from. Yeah. Um, And so I I love my job here. I love the people that I get to work with. I especially love the kids that we have. And so getting to really guess relish in those competitions and see my kids succeed and get that you know notarization for our program is really what drives me in my career as an FFA teacher. That's awesome it looks like your kids have a great time as well so that's really good. Um, So who inspired you along the way? What would you say? So Bonnie Holman is one of my absolute best friends and I attribute a lot of my success to her Uh, There's a lot of people that I graduated with that were thrown into either a single teacher program or not to sound, I guess, hateful, but an average program. Um, When I stepped in with Bonnie and got to work with her my first year, I feel like that really propelled me farther along in my experience than I would have received elsewhere. And so a lot of my success and just knowing what to do, when to do it, how to train kids, how to recruit for my program, I learned a lot of those niche things from Bonnie. Uh, to say the least, she can attribute a lot of my success. When I got, when I found out about this position, it was through Bonnie. She said, hey, I think you should come work with me. And I was like, oh, you're crazy. And she's like, no, I'm really serious. And then I did a little research and I was like, hey, I think you're right. Like, I think I'm going to apply. And Bonnie opened up her house to me. Um, I moved my horse. I moved my dog. I moved into her spare bedroom. Um, oh and I pretty much lived with Bonnie and her husband and our entire funny farm of animals um, until my husband and I got married. So I was very wow. fortunate to have a mentor like that in my life. And to say that my success would not be what it was without having worked with Bonnie would be putting it very lightly. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, so we already talked about your, your goal in high school was to really become an ag teacher. So you're sitting here right now. How does, how does that make you feel like you accomplished what you had set out to do in high school? I guess it makes me feel, I don't know, successful in a way. I'm only, I just finished year six of teaching. I had two years in extension, so I'm, I guess, year seven in my career. Um, But I remember making a prayer request when I interviewed for my extension position and then that of my teaching positions, and I called it my big kid job. And I still am very shocked today that, like, I have a big kid job. And there's a, a meme that goes around the Internet sometimes, and it's like, when you're looking for an adult and then you realize like you're the adult in the room full of children, that is probably the epitome I think we of all relate. a lot of my teaching career. Um, but I am blessed with some absolutely fantastic students and teaching partners. And so like, I love what I do. I love getting to work with the people. And so I really feel like I'm where I was intended to be. My husband graduated from this high school. Wow. Uh, my principal, who I assumed his position when he got promoted, um, he was obviously the act teacher here, and that was my husband's advisor. So I feel like life just went full circle. Uh, my next door neighbor was the former act teacher that retired from this program and was here forever. So I just feel like, 
I mean, I just feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. Like, no other way to say it. Yeah, yeah. No, it sounds like you, like you're the best fit. Um, So we're going to swap gears a little bit. We're going to talk about the students. So going through high school and going through all the organizations that you've been a part of, what do you think would be the best thing for students to get into if they want to get into agriculture? So what, where to start, I guess? I would just say join something. Uh, my senior year of high school, I was involved in 11 different either career and technical organizations, just youth organizations from, I mean, I played county league basketball. I did 4-H. I was a part of the Corsado Club. I did all the, the school groups you can imagine within my high school. Um, but that paid for my college. And so that was something that was never a deterrent to me was the funding of pursuing a college education, whether it's a traditional four-year of Votech or some other certificate, I really think kids need to go do something. And so being involved in all of those youth organizations is what paid for mine. And so I encourage kids from that perspective. I had a professor my first year at MTSU, and he made the comment in class that there's no way a, a incoming freshman can have a well-rounded resume. And I, you know, politely disagreed with him because I was like, this is what got me here. And this is what I did all through high school. Yeah. And I think that made me more hireable when I graduated from MTSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when I got to college, I did the same. I joined all the student organizations. I was in leadership roles on those. I held officer positions. And just being able to balance the fun stuff with the curricular activities is what really made me thrive in college. I look back and that's some of the greatest memories I have is traveling across the country showing horses or going to Florida for an academic quadrathlon. Just those things that I wouldn't have had those opportunities if I hadn't just showed up to a block and bridle meeting or showed up to collegiate FFA. I would have never been given the same opportunity elsewhere. And so just joining a student organization, obviously I'm fairly partial to the FFA, (laughs) um, but I'd really think just joining something that, you know, you enjoy and you're interested in, whether you want that to be your career choice or not, will be beneficial to you at some point through high school or college or as you pursue a true career. For sure, for sure. And and going into that, how do you so say a student does all those things and organizations, you know, what is the best way to time manage? I know it gets kind of overwhelming at times. So, you know, what is some advice that you would maybe have for students that want to do, you know, all the organizations that get out there? Um, I have one student in particular. So he has a planner and I know that that's probably a thing of the past, especially for high school students one. these days. Um, I'm a pen to paper kind of yes. gal. I, as much as I would love to do it in my phone, I just, I have to be able to see it. Exactly. Um, so he has a planner. This student is involved most heavily in FFA on this Uh, chapter level at the regional level he competes in pretty much anything we give to him but he also competes in other sports within the high school other leadership organizations like student council he shoots trap I mean he does everything as well as I'm sure being a great brother and child to his family and so I think just learning how to pick a your priorities and then be planning around those things Uh, because when we go on FFA trips, like he's up before everyone else, you know, studying and doing his homework. So he's not behind when he gets back to school. And so just kind of prioritizing what's important to you. We have students that might not run for an officer because they also run cross country and play soccer. And so that girl knew I simply don't have the time to put in what that officer position is going to require of me. And so that's not to say she doesn't participate in FFA. She just knew that her priority laid elsewhere and she's going to pick up the slack 
you know, in other contests when it's now her off season from those sports. And so I would never discourage a student from participating in something else or trying out for a sport. Like if they're one of our ag kids, I want them to be as well-rounded as they can. And so it's just picking out what's most important to you and then pursuing that 100%. That's great advice. I think we've all been there once or twice having to choose and it's hard. Um, now we're going to go into collegiate studies. So we're getting a little, little harder. Um, what would you recommend for those new or current students going into college? You know, how, how to pick your pathway and how to find that best fit? So I, my dad always joked with me. He's like, oh, you're going to be an ag teacher and you're never going to find a job. Like was what my dad told me. And he's very supportive. Don't get me wrong. Um, and he told me, he was like, I will pay you to major in math. He was like, if you will get certified to teach math. Like, and that's always like my favorite core subject. He's like, I'll pay for it. Um, and that just wasn't where my heart was. And so I actually majored in agribusiness with a minor in secondary education. And I know that all universities kind of are a little different in what they call their programs. Yeah. So my degree is in ag business. And so I did that because I had the mentality that that will qualify me for any ag position. And then that will also qualify me for any just business related position. So I felt like I was kind of double dipping in my major because it sure. covered such a broad like career spectrum and then I minored in education and so from there like I was eligible for any teaching position in any pathway plus anything in the ag industry plus anything in the business industry and so I felt like I really set myself up and I mean really I've never struggled to find a job I felt like what I did made me very hireable um, my teaching partner Wesley Foster he was kind of the same way he majored in plant science and they were like oh what do you want your minor to be and he's like, oh, something easy <laughs> and so they're like try teaching and yeah. so he did it and then sure enough here he is had no intentions of being a teacher and he is and so I feel like that teaching not that I would want to insinuate it's a great backup plan but it's something to make you more diverse and I feel like you learn skills through that teaching program that would prepare you for any career for I know sure. that both of you at some point have either minored in the education student taught or pursued your master's in the ag education and I feel like that's beneficial across most career paths just for the leadership element alone exactly and so I would encourage a lot of people who are like I don't know what I want my minor to be to just try it and I've had former students that never had any intentions of teaching ag do that and then here they are end up loving it teaching ag yep <laughs> yeah, that's great we need more ag teachers so um so as a high school ag teacher, what are some challenges that you may face? I know they're probably daily, but what are some of the big ones that you face? I would say the biggest struggle for I would agriculture really as a whole, the program of study, is the perception of what the ag student should look like and is. Um, everyone thinks that you have to be working cows on Saturday morning or combining on the afternoons after school or you know own this whole slew of livestock at home in order to be an ag and that's really not what it is today right. between the career and leadership development events alone it provides such a diverse opportunity for students to gain skills and knowledge and even just soft skills that go much farther than anything I could ever teach in class 
And so Tennessee FFA is now an affiliate cha- or affiliate state. And so every student enrolled in any ag class across the state of Tennessee is automatically a member within Tennessee FFA and National FFA. So every student that walks in our doors, whether they have the intention of participating above the school level in FFA events is eligible. And so I think that really gives FFA an edge over a lot of other student organizations because you don't have to pay membership. Um, the it's the foundation of Tennessee pays it for them. And so uh, getting through the community and through, you know, other, I guess, individual teachers, you know, anything of what the ag student is, they don't have to be that farming kid. They can just be someone who wants to improve their public speaking or wants to make better decision-making skills. Or one of our contests, it's called the employment skills. And so they sit through a mock job interview and they write a cover-up letter and they write a follow-up letter. And those are skills that I feel like every student should have, but not every student will because they're not in our program. Exactly. And so there's so much more to what we do once you actually can listen or see or come visit us or hang out for a day. And we have so many kids that I'm like, hey, just take our class. Like if you hate it, like I won't hold it against you. You can swap out at Christmas, swap out at the end of the year. Like I will never hold you against it. And we have kids and you know, they were that one on the fence. Mm -hmm. And then I look back and like sophomore year, they're running for an FFA office and they have state titles and they went to convention and like, we like to joke that they drank the Kool-Aid, but they are just like 100% ours once they truly realize what opportunities the FFA has. So getting over that misconstrued perception of what our kids look like Mm -hmm. because we're so much more than that once you really get to see the program for what it is. Oh, I agree. I agree 100%. So, you know, going into that, what is the most rewarding part of your job of teaching? I would say that aha moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I love to see my kids succeed. And so I wish looking back that I don't know if I didn't won't say I didn't take it serious, but I don't think I really realized what I was being handed in high school, especially across like our contests and everything. And so I am now teaching my kids a lot of the same contests I competed in at the state and national level. And I'm just like, man, I could have been a lot better if I you know, had really studied when I was in high school. And so I really like to push my kids and make them the absolute most prepared that they can be. And I feel like kids really thrive and flourish on being challenged to that level and so I like again I I, I'm the type of person who just really likes to compete and win things and that's just who I am and everyone knows that and so winning those state titles but seeing those kids get to walk across stage and get the plaques and get their names called out like it's not me getting that recognition it's the kids but like I get the self-satisfaction of like them having that opportunity given to them and having prepared them to do so well. And so across any contest, agri-science fair, any of those, my principal, Mr. Courtney Nichols, when I first came here, my first day of in-service, he gave us a note card and it said, you know, write down a goal you have. And so mine was to win a CDE or LDE and I dated it and I have it framed on my desk. And since then, I think I've won six or seven since I've been here. Um, And so I just... I don't know. I just love giving those opportunities to my kids. That's awesome. We love it. Uh, So, you know, just kind of winding down here, um, any tips or takeaways for our listeners who may or may not want to pursue higher education in agriculture? 
I would say go visit ag programs. And so as much as you're gonna want to go home and be at your school that you graduated from or the advisors that you know raised you, go somewhere else. Like everyone does something a little differently. And so it's nice to go learn from a different perspective or a different you know, economic level of students or demographics or just, you know, a different community, you're going to get something beneficial out of that, whether it's I want to be a teacher or I don't want to be a teacher. Both of those things are perfectly okay, whether you realize the classroom is where you're meant to be or the last place you want to be, like that's okay too. And so I think that I obviously have the best job in the world and I encourage anyone else who's wanting to potentially be an ag teacher to definitely pursue it, but reach out to those ag teachers. I feel like we have the best um, professional community that's willing to help and benefit, especially the young ones just getting started. And so to reach out to them for sure. Awesome. Well, Emily, thank you for joining us today. And we are so thankful for what you're doing here in the classroom. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And remember, Tennessee Farmers Co-op and Co-op Feeds is a proud supporter of local FFA and 4-H programs. Woodbury FFA especially appreciates the Rutherford Farmers Co-op and our local branches for sponsoring the Woodbury FFA Championship Truck and Tractor Pool. So join us at the Woodbury Fairgrounds on September 17th if you'd like to enjoy the fun. You might be asking, why are you only doing the Feed Bin Series once a month? Well, it's because we have to save room for everyone else. Check into our chick days, beef tips and gravy, chew the cud, and equine essential series each month right here on the Co-op Feeds podcast station. Here are the topics for this month. Chew the cud premieres on August 9th. The topic this month is how to market your small ruminants. The panel includes industry professionals such as Josh Woodard, the manager of United Producers Livestock Market in Columbia, Tennessee, along with other industry experts. Beef Tips and Gravy is on August 23rd. Join John Houston and Todd Steen as they go over nutrition for stalker calves at the Williams Farm and Forage in Cedar Hill, Tennessee. And lastly, tune in to Equine Essentials with host Gray Parks on August 16th. Thanks for listening to the Co-op Feeds Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Follow us on Facebook under Co-op Feeds for daily updates. Check back each week for species-specific content. We'll see you all next month around the Co-op Feed Bin. And remember, anyone can shop Co-op. Visit one of our retail locations for all your livestock and rural lifestyle needs.